Thanks for tuning in, everybody. On this one, I'm going to be talking with my dad about his best hunting story. This is one of those stories over the years I've heard him tell tons and tons of times at hunting camp and to new friends, and it's one of the craziest stories that I've heard, period. And I've heard a lot of crazy stories over the years because I've got a lot of friends that hunt all over the place and meet a lot of people traveling around, and to this day, this is still one of my favorite hunting stories and one of the craziest things to happen to anybody that I know. I think what's really cool about this story, though, is how much we've learned from it over the years. There's a lot of key takeaways that my dad had from that day, and because of that, he was able to teach me a lot about deer as well. So we cover all those things. We also tell a couple extra stories in there, talk about some of the other things that we learned hunting the property where this story took place. And really, I feel like I've been holding this one back from you guys for a long time. This is a pretty special one to me, and I'm glad that my dad took the time to tell the story to all of you guys as well. Also, if you haven't already, check out Go Wild. There's a link in the description of this podcast that will take you over to the Go Wild app. And what Go Wild is, is a free social community where nothing's censored. It was built by hunters and anglers just like us, and their goal with it was to combat mainstream social media censorship. On Go Wild, you get points for things like sharing trophies, doing gear reviews, and inviting your friends. As you earn points, you can unlock awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts, and if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Also on there, they have the pursuits page. You can see top questions from other members, such as Clay, who asked what are the pros and cons of saddle hunting, and what saddle do you recommend? There you can see all the answers that other members responded with to help Clay out, and you can leave your answer there as well, which is pretty cool. It's like an online hunting camp, and the app is free and available in the App Store, or like I said earlier, you can just click the link in the description of this podcast, and it'll take you over to the download page as well. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in, and I hope you guys enjoy this story and can learn as much from this story as my dad and I and friends in our hunting group have over the years. Today, Dad and I are going to talk about Dad's best deer hunting story, I think. Like, if somebody was to say, what's your dad's best hunting story? This is the one that I would say I tell the most often. Yeah, it's uh, it's the most unusual. I mean, mm-hmm. there, I mean, I mean, there's best is hard to say because there's so many funny things or fun things. But it's, yeah, it's unusual and really cool what, what happened that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we learn a lot from the situation like what you found yourself in that day in a lot of different ways like there's so many things that we revisit when we talk about that hunt it's like you know well you saw it that day or you know uh, th- at work that day and there's a lot of like many takeaways within that i think there's like literally i don't know 30 20 we could probably count make 100 items that happened that day that uh made it all happen i uh-huh. guess and what made it unique and what made that day i guess special or i don't know i guess if we tell the story then yeah tell 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 it i think start with that day what was the time of the year and just like what we were doing that day because i have some memories of that day yeah it was uh it was the first day of deer season at some point in ohio and it was which would have been like i want to say it was october 1st or yeah. Or it was the fourth maybe, or the, it was always it was the, the first. Yeah. For some reason, I, the fourth comes to mind and it's always back then they had, um, we were like 
long seasons at Ohio, October 4th to January 31st. And it always ended on my birthday, so it's easy to remember the last day of season. Mm-hmm. And I think they started the Saturday. like That was the 4th. Yeah, the 4th. Or maybe that's the way you remember it, and it was actually October 1st. You could have It been was on. your first day of hunting. First day of hunting, a period that I got to go. And, um, I mean, just there's so many things that happened. But one thing we did do right before this, Zach – and his grandpa Farrenbaugh and I went squirrel hunting, and uh, we we had two woods that we used to hunt back then that were really close. One we called the Big Woods, and one was the Little Woods. Mm-hmm. And uh, we decided to go squirrel hunting, and uh, we took Grandpa. And uh, I don't remember that much about the squirrel hunting. I know we went squirrel hunting. We drove over we together. One. We got one squirrel. We got one squirrel. You probably remember that. Yeah. Um, I do remember because I remember being. With Grandpa Farrenball squirrel hunting, which and I was, did the majority of my squirrel hunting with Grandpa Ryle. Right. And I do just remember being with him and having this squirrel. Right. And we were right down there where the bluffs are. Yep. Right? We where called we it the bluff. deer hunted yeah. a lot. When a I lot of a deer kid. hunting there. And uh, it's only, you could walk between the two farms, but they're 280 acre farms. One's got big woods, one's got a small woods. And um, we went squirrel hunting, and we specifically went squirrel hunting so I could stay out of that woods and have that for the evening and you guys went back with grandpa back to the house and i drove separately i guess Mm -hmm. and uh anyhow that was the whole plan all day go score hunting middle of the day towards afternoon uh you guys uh we're gonna go home we're gonna go home and then i was gonna hunt till dark and come home yep and i was i think i was eight you know i was thinking seven or eight but Mm -hmm. i was honestly a little bit ago trying to put the year and i'm like i'm never gonna come i think it's four 2004. 2004. Is that right? Does that make me eight? <laughs> no. So that would be 2001, which maybe is more accurate. Okay. So what? one other thing that I was going to mention, I want to tell my perspective just because I think this is pretty funny and it's okay. something I remember a lot as a kid. Sure. Up to this point is I gun hunted with you. Mm-hmm. I had not started bow hunting yet. I was okay. not strong enough to, to pull, pull back, back the bow. bow. Mm-hmm. But we tried every year, and I was not even close at that point. For sure. And uh, so we had been deer hunting together, and we had been turkey hunting together, and obviously squirrel hunting. Sure. But this is still the time frame where I have to go home and wait. And, wait. <laughs> and well. you know, I remember, and I'm sure you remember, being so incredibly excited for you to get back just sure. so I could hear what you saw, what stories you were going to tell. And I guess the whole time this story's going on, there's like eight-year-old Zach, roughly, sitting by the window just watching it get darker. Like, I remember it getting darker and darker and darker that night and remembering, like, okay, it's been this long after daylight. Mm-hmm. He still isn't back. <laughs> yeah. And then getting a phone call uh-huh. and you being like, hey. You guys you know, need to come back. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess then take over from okay. this part. So we go squirrel hunting and uh, we come back. We called it to the farm, which is where the farmhouse was, and – basically got loaded up and i think you guys are my memory is you were just about to leave and i'm like hey why don't, why don't you drive me around to the other side to go in a different access so it's just unusual it's actually better for the wind tonight everything would be better if i come in from that side and when you're hunting by yourself there i don't know typical i, I would call it like farm lot hunting mm-hmm. you don't you just always looking the best access in and i 
a lot of times you go by yourself, maybe it was laziness, we wouldn't walk all the way around to go in. We would just walk straight down. Just walk straight down. So this time I decided to come in the other way. If you saw the layout, it, it actually makes a lot more sense to come in that way. Mm-hmm. You guys dropped me off. I went in. And uh, first day of season, you know, it's really cold. That's the thing I remember for the first day of season. Unusually cold, crisp, and windy. Not windy like buggy out of the tree, but a nice breeze. And uh, I sneak my way in, get in the stand. And uh, I'd actually been out that morning even with my friend Brian and heard had seen some bucks sparring, which was unusual. Mm-hmm. But, and Brian uh, is uh, Ben and Keith and yeah, Alex's dad. Dad, yeah. And uh, – so I go in, and I just get up in the tree stand, which was an unusual tree stand. It was a uh, ladder stand mm-hmm. with a swivel chair on it for gun season. I didn't like that. And I for a bow, it was hard to shoot at. So I had put a couple of more steps on a tree, like strap-on steps, and then had my hang-on up above it. Mm-hmm. So it was up pretty high. And uh, it's a corner of a woods with a valley right in the corner. It's just a natural funnel. We, we've all got deer there. Mm-hmm. Um, Logan's got a couple of deer there. Have you ever shot a deer? I don't think. I think I might be the only one that hasn't. hasn't yeah, Grandpa's right probably there. Oh, yeah. Grandpa's definitely got yeah. one there. So uh, I get up there, and I'm just up there a little bit. And, it, you know, I was thinking about the morning and, like, how the morning went with deer fighting. I thought that was unusual. And I'm just there a little bit, and I hear, I swear, antlers clanking together. And, and I'm thinking, ah, that's just my imagination. I got my binoculars. I'm looking around. I don't see anything. And I could see up through the corner of the woods and then out into some fields above me. And, CRP uh, fields. CRP fields. And uh, don't see anything and just keep looking and look just kind of, well, that wasn't a deer. That wasn't deer fighting. And just, I mean, it wasn't a few minutes later. I hear it again. And I'm thinking, okay, that was definitely two bucks fighting. So I'm looking intently and I'm, you know, just got my binoculars scanning, scanning. And uh, I've probably told this story like, I don't know, hundreds of times. So so don't tell it wrong. I know. <laughs> I'm starting to wonder, am I, am I making stuff up? No, I know I'm not making stuff up, but like the little, details, the little details of the story start to go away. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, uh, sitting there and I look and I see these backs of these two deer and their hair's up and they're just, they're really going at it. And uh, of course, you know, that pumps you up right away and I really can't see anything. And they're going back and forth and all of a sudden one of them puts his head up in perfect view, I could see half his rack, and uh, I guess he would have had like nine points on one side, and it turns out later, I'll tell you the rest of the story, he was a 17-pointer, which sounds crazy, but he wasn't, he was big, but not that big, and I'm watching, like, oh, there's a nice, you know, nice buck, I'm getting ready, I got, I'm standing up, getting turned around, and I see more, you know, more activity up there, but it kind of disappears, and as the grass is high, and I mean, it's, probably another 20 minutes i don't hear anything don't see anything uh and uh start to you know think what what happened i wonder where they went and uh just kind of starting to relax and sure enough i look up and the trail i'm hunting on the the funnel the exact place i want him to come just like all the times you hunt and it works out that way once in a while right you, you think this is what's going to happen well here it happens here comes a beautiful eight point buck really nice buck comes down I draw, he's coming at me, he's coming at me, 20, 30, or 30, 20, comes across the ditch, coming straight at me, and comes right up to the tree that's like right out in front of me, there's a gigantic cherry tree, like two yards, three yards away, and just stands right behind it. I mean, literally, if he walked a foot on either side, I could have shot him, and uh, 
he stops and he just stands there and uh, he's looking all around well later on i find out why he was looking around i have to let down and he's just still standing there looking around and he turns and he starts walking away and i draw again he walks directly in behind that cherry tree like straight in the line i can't shoot i can't shoot i can't shoot walks right out turns broadside at third 30 yards 29 yards because i had just range found the tree that he stopped at so i knew he was at 29 yards put my 30 yard pin on him put it right on there shoot hear the perfect poof and he darts into that crp grass and then the story starts (laughs) (laughs) so i sit down calm you know trying to calm myself down like take relax give give the deer some time it looked like a perfect shot everything seemed fine and um so i i don't know it's probably 15 20 minutes like i'm going to get down it's going to get start get dark so i start climbing down it's not dark but it's just that point where the sun's going down perfect you know it's shining right down the hill right behind it's right about it's just about to set like about to set 15 minutes or less until it's gone yes so i'm starting to climb down and I lower my bow down. It's on the string. I climb all. I climb down onto the ladder stand. Start to get down to the ladder stand, and I'm probably I can't remember now. Maybe three steps from the bottom, and I look up, and here comes two more gigantic bucks. Two of the biggest bucks I've ever seen in my life. One was the biggest buck I've ever seen in the woods, and it wasn't the 17 pointer. Believe <laughs> it or not, <laughs> it was a massive 10 pointer with just the buck you dream of. The buck that you know. Makes want, all these look yeah, like Yeah, it's not even, it's just <laughs> big, massive, heavy, racked buck, and he's perfect, and he's, and he's 30 yards. He's, they're coming straight down that trail where I, that when I look up, they're at the point where I shot the deer. Mm-hmm. And they're just looking around, milling towards me, and they got hair up on their back, and they're looking at each other, kind of cross-eyed, you know, out of the side of each other, but they're close to each other, and uh, uh, they are coming right at me. And I'm like, I'm out in space, because, because you know, a ladder stand angles away, I'm four foot from the tree or three feet from the tree and i'm just hanging there and i'm thinking why can't they see me and uh i look back now and afterwards i kind of after they went away i'm like i see why they were looking right into the sun the wind was swirling trees were moving around and uh the wind was coming right at me and uh anyhow at one point i'm just like screw it i just jumped i jumped down to the ground and of course you know when you hit the ground and you kind of hunker down i thought well they're gonna run they didn't even look they didn't even, they, they were so worked up, they were other. so worked up about each other, and they were looking for the other buck that I'd shot, mm-hmm. no doubt. That's what they were looking for. Yeah. And uh, so I go on, and thought, what the heck? And I grab my bow, I untie it, I'm thinking, I just shot a deer. <laughs> and I mean, I, I know, but people, like, I've had many of my friends say, well, what? I can't believe, I don't believe, you wouldn't, you would have shot it. But I never did. I draw my bow. I have my pin on the deer at five seven ten yards 30 yards for five minutes i mean i let my bow down drew again let my bow down drew again and they never saw me they were just like walking around in the corner of the woods looking at each other with their hair up looking kind of cross-eyed and i mean it was amazing and uh the 17 pointer was big but he wasn't didn't have the frame. That didn't the have the frame. Pointer. Yeah, he's just a nice buck. But this probably these, two older bucks. But like right. the one just had the genetic frame. Super frame. So anyhow, oh, I'm sitting there and it's getting. It's this. It's probably I don't know my memory now. It's maybe five or ten minutes of this all going on. But finally, the 17 pointer kind of just trots down through the woods, 
and the big 10 point goes into the crp towards where the deer i shot was and they've split now. they split and i'm like okay it's time to go get my arrow and they're gone and you know i relax a little bit I walk you're across. Thinking, you're thinking, damn, <laughs> I didn't wait long enough. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and back then I did a lot of, uh, like, waiting because I had a really good hunting spot. Yeah. And you, you, you chose to not shoot bucks on the first day oh, yeah. ever. I don't know if you Well, I did, did shoot it. I, one of the first the first buck I ever shot with a bow was, on, was, opening, for, was right? on opening day. But I, got, I was at the point I had really good place to hunt. I hunted at the, you know, the, the places that were we helped pheasant yeah. stuff. So there was all kinds of deer. But... I go up, I start, go across the ravine, I get up, put my arrow up, it's like, oh, it's perfect, blood all over it, I put it in my quiver, start to walk into that CRP, which is in the corner of the woods, and there's an old fence there, which was kind of down, but then it was up and down, and I walk in, and just as I'm starting to step into the woods, or into the CRP out of the woods, I hear the most ungodly noises, like, you know, you hear about these snarling grunts and growls growls and i hear it i'm like what the heck and i see the grass moving it's six foot tall grass and i all of a sudden it takes me a while to realize what's going on but that giant 10 pointer is hooked on he's going in and he's smashing into my deer and then he's hooked onto it like his antlers are tangled up and he's dragging it and it's slipping off and then he's going back in again and you're snap crap you know i think and i'm like he's breaking the antlers off the deer that i just shot so i i'm I'm seven yards i mean five yards seven yards i don't you're on top of them i'm on top of them and they have he has no clue i'm there and i yell hey and that's that's when i thought i screwed up because the deer literally did nothing but look at me just that you know the deer stare just just like mad like probably i I mean now i think he's looking thought it was the 17 pointer like like what the hell I'm going? I oh, just thought that you were the other buck. I thought I was. Yeah. The other, he he thought I was the other buck, mm-hmm. the third buck, the third buck. And uh, and I look and and I'm thinking, oh no, I got to get up a tree and I can I can climb <laughs> this a tree. Is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I look at the tree like there's a tree to my left that big and I'm like, if he comes this way, I have to climb the tree. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> what were you gonna say about I can climb a tree and then I cut you off? Oh, I can climb a tree pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs> Even <can>. today. <laughs> It's hilarious. He can, he can jump on a tree and just scoot up it faster than you could ever dream. It's pretty pretty impressive, really. <laughs> but anyhow, I'm thinking up. So he would have been safe. No, I, yeah, maybe. If I would have made it to the tree. Yeah, right. But uh, so the buck just stares me down. And I'm like, I don't remember now if I said it again, but I tried to spook it again. And he didn't really do anything. He took a couple steps and looked at me again. And then he went to my right, jumped the fence, which... I'm still, he's only like five, six yards from me. Mm-hmm. Like he's. He's still just right there. Right there. Just staring me down. And uh, and then he kind of gets that deer look like, okay, what am I, this isn't right. I'm, you know, I'm out of here. Probably got downwind of you, huh? I don't know. No, I don't. He, if he, you know, I don't remember. I don't think he was downwind of me. I really don't. But he just trotted right down through the woods, straight down the same, probably the same path that the other, that the 17 pointer went. And. You know, just down, angled to the, down to the bottom. Yeah, angled down to the road to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm sure I was just like, whoa, you know, shaking like crazy. Oh, yeah. My adrenaline was super high. <laughs> and then I go over and grab my deer, and I was like, oh, yeah, you got him. And he was a nice deer, but. But after. Afterwards, I was like, oh, I shot the wrong buck. You okay. know, I was like, he's not that big. And 
But you bring him into here and he fits oh, right yeah, he in. Oh, yeah, fits it's right like in. He, I mean, he's, he's just something that you, you I would, would shoot, shoot every, every year. I would, especially now that I'm older, like I, I, but I don't mean older, like I don't worry about so much the, the size of the antlers, not we all do. But that was kind of the peak of you hunting big bucks, I would say. Right. With a bow. Right. Like you were, and, and this is before trail, well, I can't say before trail cameras. We didn't but have We any. didn't have <laughs> we, ne- we really never did. But like, right. we had a, at one point, I guess when I would have been like into high school, college, we had some of grandpa's kind of junk. Yeah, ones, we but did we, ne- we weren't tracking deer. No. Other than from visuals and like what we would remember, like, yeah, that eight pointer, you know, and that, that's. We just did everything off sign, history, in areas. Areas, you know, um, just, you know, bedding areas, signs, rubs, scrapes, and, you know, just know. And knowing too, I think what, what I guess. Uh, led you to hunt in that style. It's like you said, you had good places to hunt. Oh, yeah. And you were around big bucks because you hunted those good areas. Oh, yeah. At a certain point, you start to recognize, hey, I'm not hunting a a year and a half old or two-year-old buck anymore. The thing's making these rubs, tracks, scrapes. Oh, yeah. There's big bucks there. And we always saw big bucks. So, I mean, I I could always wait or – I knew that if – if I was you a could patient, kind of be a snob about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I was at and the how? time, and I think I've but told I, this before that I I was so spoiled at the time I didn't really know it because I hunted this place was set up for hunting for a guy that we called it the hunting preserve, but it was a pheasant hunting preserve, so nobody else bow hunted it but me. And it was like three hundred acres. Yeah, there was. Yes, now I'm. A, I think there was 250 acres and another 250 acres, I think. Okay. (laughs) Plus, we had the family farms and Mm -hmm. then, you know, aunts and uncles and stuff. But I basically was hunting some really good places. It's probably as good as in the world, Mm -hmm. I mean, without knowing what I had. Because I was young, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, Mm -hmm. up to a certain point. And then, um, but anyhow, back to the buck. So kind of gets a little funnier, I think, but this is where it kind of gets funny. So didn't have cell phone. So uh, I don't know what it didn't work or what, but I had to run to the neighbors. I don't think it was, it probably wasn't working. Yeah, I don't remember what, but. At those days, it weren't good. So it was starting to get, those things was just getting really dark. So I, you can almost see a neighbor's house if you're at the farm. It's hilly. And so I run up, they don't know me. I run up and I'm like knocking on the door. I'm like, hey, I'm Jim's, the neighbor's uh, son-in-law. I uh, just shot a buck, and I was going to call and get some help coming, and they let me in and called, and I called on their house phone, <laughs> and so they let me in. I'm like, and I'm, I call you. Get this call. Well, I remember I probably just cut Grandpa off and grabbed the phone because <laughs> I knew something was up. Like, he's not home yet, and then we're getting a phone call, right. so I grabbed the phone. Like, you know, I remember probably just being like, you get one? You know? <laughs> so you tell us so, that you got one, and we yeah. head over there. Yeah, so you head over there, and... Um, and uh, you know what's really weird? You, you said it was 2000 or 2001. It was because I bought the Daco- Dodge Dakota in 2000. Mm-hmm. Okay. So anyhow, I uh, so I go ahead and go back, and they decide to grandpa. Hey, you know how we can tell is we can go get it out of the basement and look at the old tag. Yeah, I know. It. I looked at one in, when I was in your house here. I looked at the tag date on another deer when, when I was waiting. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, Ohio has, for people don't know, back in the day when I was hunting, they had metal tags. You went to a checking station. That's back when you hunted. Yeah, well, <laughs> when you hunted Ohio. <laughs> yeah, right. And they put a metal tag on the deer yeah. that it was had the year stamped on it and the code number, and it was really pretty. I mean, it's kind of neat, really, mm-hmm. how, how far they went. 
But anyhow, but that was like post check-in, so you'd put your tag on it, and then yeah. once you checked it in, you'd get this like metal. permanent, yeah, metal permanent metal tag, and you had to keep them on there. Yeah, you're supposed to keep them on there mm-hmm. forever, which they still are on some of mine. That and, one has it. Uh, yeah, yeah. But anyhow, we uh, Zach and Grandpa Farrenbaugh get there, and uh, I've got the deer got it, and we're getting, you know, I got the tag on it, and he's also dehydrated. I'm dehydrated. He's been just, hunting all day, and he's he he's like miserable mm-hmm. for it i remember mm-hmm. he was happy and he had just had this crazy experience that he'd already told us about but he's also just sick because he's not drank water so bring Haven't water eaten right yeah, yeah I did. but we i remember didn't... you're just like spitting and like Ugh, like just stuff that you never would do so and i, I start dragging feeling bad yeah so we start dragging the deer to the uh towards the truck we decided to go down the hill and and looking back now, I don't know why they didn't drive down there, but we d- it didn't seem like that far. Honestly, why you didn't is it was so back then it was so woolly in that yeah, CRP, yeah. like Probably it was could. gnarly. Yeah, you talking about seeing those deer pushing back and forth? You were in a stand, mollifier rows or yeah. briar patches. But we start dragging it, and funny, it's kind of funny. My my dad was getting up there in age, and we're dragging, it, and I'm doing ninety percent of the work, and Dad's trying to help, and it's getting caught on it. You know, everybody knows how it is to dra- drag a deer out, and. uh getting caught on every limb and at some point i'm just like totally exhausted and he said probably dehydrated and i'm sitting there and i'm like sitting over the deer just resting and he looks right up at his grandpa and goes grandpa you're just gonna have to start helping more (laughs) (laughs) and i don't know i'm sure my dad could never remember it but oh yeah yeah i would so anyhow we get it down to the road and it's a real hilly area and there's they cut the roads through the banks and we're so I'm so exhausted. Between the three of us, we cannot get the deer in the truck. Remember that? Mm-hmm. So I had to drag it up on the hill, back the truck with the tailgate up against the hill, so we could slide it into the truck. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that that was actually kind of the funny one of the funniest parts of the story. When you know, just Zach being an honest little kid, <laughs> Grandpa, you're gonna have to help more. Just not understanding how hard it actually is. Yeah, because I'm yeah. not doing anything. Not really other doing than anything. Holding the light. I'm probably holding the flashlight. For yeah, you guys. yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it was a day that I've, I've talked about it a lot. It was so incredible what happened. It started out in the morning with my One friend. One other goofy detail. Sorry. Yeah. But I do want you to go over these things. Oh, yeah. This is just it goes to show how much this memory is also stamped in my mind. We got back to the truck. And earlier that day, we had got somewhere along the way, we had got soda. And we had orange soda, and you had about that much and I just, in a can, and you <laughs> freaked out when you found it. You were so happy. But it's funny, like, why I remember that. I probably will never, I mean, until until I'm, you know, grandpa's age, I'm probably going to remember that. That orange soda? Why? Why do you know. use a guy? Like, that just goes to show how much those moments, though, mm-hmm. meant to the kid as well. Sure. You know, here, sure. and here we are talking about it for the hunting 20 years later yeah yeah longer than that yeah it's just crazy well the uh i mean there's so many things and we go we we talk about this a lot as like as we try to learn more about hunting even though i'm 58 or 57 57 (laughs) there's so many things that you look back on that you learned like we 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 kept i kept thinking why can't they see me why can't they smell me why can't they what's, what's going on here they're blind you know there's so many factors that go into deer hunting but it was a perfect conditions the winds was the winds were a little breezy high. The, it was cold. The sun was right in the perfect positions where they were looking into the sun, and I can actually see, remember that, visually see them squinting as mm-hmm. they're looking up the hill because of the... And probably the sun 
kind of giving that orange color on them, like right. glaring down. Oh them. yeah, I was, and everything. If we, if you'd had a camera, everything would have been perfect because you could see the hair. You know, you could see the eyelashes. They glowing glowing and their eyes you know moving around and it was it would have been a perfect video yeah i mean it really would have been i mean it's stories like this too that look oh yeah you got hair <laughs> I get goosebumps. goosebumps but i mean it was uh a day that you know i've hunted a lot and these things just don't happen i mean i've had similar things happen but nothing quite like that I mean, We've had crazy hunting stories, but that's the craziest. Craziest story. as far as the deer doing some really crazy things and being the first day of season, uh, everything just lined up. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, you know, I, I I could go on and talk about all kinds of hunting stories, but that is the the craziest one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what what are some of the things that like are specific? I mean, you talked about a couple of the things, but I know there's more. One was the wind, one was the sun. And I remember that was the first experience where it stuck out for me, that sun at your back, uh-huh. especially as it's going down or coming up and it's close to the horizon, it's blinding. Oh, yeah. It can be extremely helpful, but it can also hurt you a lot. Oh, if you're going the wrong way mm-hmm. or if you're walking across an open space or across the top of a ridge, mm-hmm. it makes you, you know, if the deer's, in, I mean, it's obvious now. I mean, if anybody's hunted much, if you haven't, you don't want to do that <laughs> because it's your shadow just they just skylight you so easy mm-hmm. but because i was down it was perfect i well, was and when you were even even before you were down and you were in the um trees trees i was still look like a tree right or you were on the ladder and you said you're out in space right even though they were inside of 20 yards they were looking into the sun oh yeah and I'm, with the I'm, breeze you could drop and hit the ground and not make that much yep, noise. not make that much noise they didn't hear anything uh I mean, yeah, I don't, I mean, there's a time in your hunting that everybody knows that hunts a lot when, when there's a 20 degree or 15 degree drop in the temperature and you can just feel it. It doesn't have to be, it can be 80 and drop to 65. It can be 65 and drop to 55, or it can be 30 and drop to 20 and it starts to get dark. And it's, I mean, the magic hour, I don't know if people call it the magic hour, Mm -hmm. but, but there's, I mean, we, we experienced it with rich elk hunting. I did. We were like, God, this is it. Like Mm -hmm. you just feel everything's right. And then you see something almost immediately. Like that's what it was that night. Yeah. The cold, uh, the dropping of the temperature, the, uh, just conditions overall conditions were all overall. And you, you hunt a lot of years and you, you, people ask you about these things. I know they ask you these questions, but you can't, you can't give them that experience until they know. And in, uh, I can it's, it's it's like an instinctive thing, I think. So I was having a conversation with Ranch Ferry's son mm-hmm. Thomas, and he's a young kid, but he's sharp. Mm-hmm. And we were sitting there talking, and, and we were in a blind, mm-hmm. waiting for things to come to a feeder. Mm-hmm. So, but but he said, "You ever think when you're hunting, you just know? Like we're yep. all just sitting here, and we're all just we're sitting around, and, and all of a sudden we're said, talking. But then all of a sudden we kind of all stop talking, and we start getting kind of antsy." And we're all looking around a lot more. And then the animals show up. Right. He's like, it's just something in the air. Like, you know, he just says something real casual. It's <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, dude, I totally agree with that. I've thought that for forever. But he doesn't even, like, he didn't, he he didn't isn't hunt, putting it. hunt a ton. But it's like, the fact that he recognizes that already, it's oh, like, yeah. well, you got, you got enough experience under your belt. That you've experienced it already. You're already putting it in your memory bank. And I think some of it might be, too, and this is just totally theoretical, is it, 
I wonder if it has anything to do with like the pressure, like the barometric pressure. Well, absolutely, I do think it is, and like maybe that's part of what we're feeling. And oh yeah, that, like yeah, you know. I, I think it is. But I but back then, especially me, I wasn't ever looking at that in the weather. Now it's so easy to pull up, you know, one app on your phone sure. and see what the barometric pressure is doing. But like back then. With less technology, at yeah. least with less technology I wasn't, at hand, I you're wasn't just doing insta- that on instincts. Just doing it on instincts, doing it on uh, the weather report, or doing it. I had read in magazines and you know North American Bow Hunting Magazine that that was the barometric pressure drop, and so you knew, right? Mm-hmm. And you started sensing it, and you, once you sense it, you read about it. You're like, even though I didn't have it on my phone, saying, "Oh yeah, mm-hmm. the weather's doing this." I knew. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just you had to know it. You didn't have to. You didn't have to look at your phone to figure it out. Yeah. Right. Well, and, you know, it's like if the frost starts to start on the ground before it's even completely dark. It's like, yeah, something's happening. Something's night, happening. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> Every, I mean, it's just the best night, mm-hmm. and they they just that's when you get the cruiser, the the fighting, the the out of nowhere like oh shit, there's seven bucks out there, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> well, so so here's here's one that I always go back to that i learned uh, it's almost like i saw the scene through your story is the buck nest hunt the famous buck nest hunt from that was that was the same time it was this almost the same date it was october 7th i believe and that was like the craziest buck activity i've ever seen right like period like even in the i mean as as crazy as the craziest rut action i've ever seen if not crazier due to the number of bucks in general like sure I think that night we saw 13 bucks or something. Sure. We didn't even show them all on film. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, secrets out. We were kind of trying to is keep, that, like. Is that the one where you, like, absurd. you slept, you tried to stay, you had to stay for, like. We had to end up staying for, I think. Three hours. Yeah, I'd say at least two or three hours because there was a bigger, the biggest buck bedded. that actually doesn't ever even show up in the video. Yeah, came in and bedded under us. He was a six by seven. Oh, White tail. Jeez. So when, and he bedded like 20 yards away and we stayed in there until finally we were like, well, he's not going to leave and we're going to, we can't, we can't hang out out here all night or we're going to get too cold. Cause I remember starting to get the shivers back yeah. we snuck out and we snuck out of the tree stand in a dead calm with that buck. I mean, that was like the craziest yeah, sneak. And he, and he never ever. got up. No, but we did, but we like. Yeah, I remember. Our time. You I'm guys talking like 20 minutes just to climb out of the tree. Yeah, and then yeah. if not, yeah, just tip forever. But I guess back to the beginning of that day, that was a situation where we were in a place that we predicted was going to be a buck bedding area. Right. And then we, and then it just was the craziest buck bedding area that we may ever find. It was same thing bucks fighting bucks squaring up to each other and it was like the first cold snap yep. of the whole season it's probably spent up energy like that's what i think yeah they were all their testosterone all the stuff was happening they were getting ready they just think they, they're doing all the stuff they needed to prep for it was hot every, and then they're fattening up and then all of a sudden it's like all hey they were the, the barometric pressure the cold they're all doing the same thing that like it's let's go for a walk yeah. well then they start running into each other and Fighting. Yeah, when I had the the eleven or thirteen bucks at the at the hunting that I came that had came in on me one night when I was walking out, like I was just coming out of my tree stand and there they all were, and I decided to crawl down and watch I didn't them. Know that. Uh, I I I was hunting. I think it was where I shot the wide ten pointer mm-hmm. that came up and just watched, and that was the same night. That's the same 
conditions that night. Really? Well, same dropping, the same coldness, the same frost. Not not the wind so much. And that's the split brow. Yeah. Yeah. But but um, I was coming out from that stand and got down to a road that was on the farm that was through the middle to go back to the, and I look out in the field and I could see you know how you can see after dark and I see some deer so I crawl out just ten, five yards to the edge of the field with my doctors to watch them and it's all they're all bucks and they're doing the doing the fighting up. and squaring up and they weren't going at it but uh, at one point one of them sees me or sees something and he it's me and I'm crawled out and he squares up squares up and comes right up to me and in the dark is just like looking at me and posturing around like is this another buck mm-hmm. and he knew something wasn't right so he never came all the way in mm-hmm. and uh i don't remember then they don't make sure yeah <laughs> and then i had to walk out of there like mm. oh jeez, i'm there <laughs> yeah but that one wasn't as tim- intimidating as the 10 pointer as the 10 pointer mm-hmm. because he was not afraid at all yeah yeah so buck nest i think when i compare those two hunts similarities are weather conditions date um bucks fighting which i remember at one point in my life thinking well bucks don't even fight until november which right. is just no, ignorant. like that's yeah, just a, yeah. that's a inexperienced talking right there bucks uh just laying down sign another thing is the is the cover was mm-hmm. similar yeah that's that was another yeah. thing i was gonna say so at the at the farm back then there was it was the best years of hunting it were, were happening mm-hmm. because it was extremely thick and there was just tons of bedding cover, whether that be buck bedding or doe bedding or usually both. It was just insane. And they actually would bed out in that CRP. And oh. probably what happened that day when you hunted there and similar with the, the, the buck nest is you took the transition line in that night mm-hmm. Because you came in from the east side mm-hmm. with a west or northwest wind, right? right? Mm-hmm. So you came down that transition where the deer are going to go into the woods at that time of the year to get their acorns, mm-hmm. to have some sort of diversity mm-hmm. that they don't get out in the CRP mm-hmm. or ag fields. You worked that in. Same thing, same exact thing we did on the buck nest mm-hmm. night. Came into it with that same mm-hmm. similar wind. Got set up right on the transition line. And then you get out there and it's just like, yeah, there's bucks everywhere. And I think... In your situation and the buck nest, there's buck bedding everywhere out there. You know, I mean, I, I, we could probably get into a, like a really long conversation about this, but if we're in some wildlife area in Ohio or in Iowa or in, when you find the transition line, and I, I, I think, remember when bucks or uh, warp shot that huge buck? With Sean in 2016. In the Iowa. And it was a similar train. Wasn't that a similar train? It was mm-hmm. close to the road, mm-hmm. but it was a similar train. You you come and you're in thick stuff that you just can't get through almost as a hunter and you're fl- flustered. And then you find that little path of transition of trees. Mm-hmm. I mean. When you're, the one you're talking about with Warb is the really great. Real heavy one. racked buck. And real white tines and on even, him. Even the one that came to the. Uh, Decoy. It's the same. Mm-hmm. It's the same similar. It's, yeah, it's a CRP same. field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of similarities in all those places, and like I hear the term thick or woolly or right. whatever, and it's uh, that's not to say every thick spot's the same because there still no. has to be a fine line of of uh, travel availability and food out in those and places. Sometimes but, there's just no. 
it's so thick that you can tell there's no no deer are really going through there unless they have to. Yep. It, there's a point of too thick, yep. right? Well, even like cattails, for example, deer don't just meander through cattails. They take very specific trails through that have been worn in for sure. years and years. So, sure. like, that is an example of something that is too thick, but they do have defined travel through. Right. I mean, even I, we can keep going because now more are popping. But when I was in Iowa mm-hmm. and I was doing that by myself and I drew on the same buck two days or two days in a row, mm-hmm. that huge one. Yep. Yep. Just, I mean, that's a similar spot. Oh, yeah. Big, big CRP on one side mm-hmm. and then transition thick. of the timber. Yeah. Transition and then thick. Yep. And uh, that transition, thin transition spot yep. is the one, is the spot. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's, it's, I've always said too, like if you're trying to. Let's, let's, we can pop a map up of this even, of the farm. Mm-hmm. And we can show exactly where this all went down. So the transition there is timber to CRP, or was at the time, now it's ag, but which makes it significantly worse for hunting. <laughs> it's, it's like, I mean, seriously, though, like, I feel like that's something that's worth noting. When I was a kid and all the way up until about when I was in high school, Bound in high school, it switched back to ag. Right. And that property that you shot the buck and mm-hmm. the, the the big buck fights the dead buck story mm-hmm. happened. But back when that was really good, and especially that tree stand that you shot mm-hmm. that buck in, what made it good in my, in our opinion, I mean, this is something I learned from you, not, I'm not, I guess I'm not making this up on my own, but they would travel across the road, right down that transition line, but generally on the CRP side. Right. They would travel down that. They would cross that corner. They would scrape on that corner. Mm-hmm. They would scrape right when they entered mm-hmm. across the road. Mm-hmm. They'd scrape on that corner. And then from there, they would either go up to the pond or they would keep wrapping the timber around. Right, right. And it was just, it was crazy how predictable those rut cruising routes. But even that day, when deer are just moving in general, they were just following the transition. It was, they weren't necessarily cruising looking for does, but... They were in that area, and, and they the, were using that the, edge. The biggest difference, you and I know this, is that they could not. They they pretty much weren't being able to see be seen in there. They're mm. totally comfortable just stopping at any point and being like, not you know, car goes by, a farmer's working, grandpa's working up on the. They, if they just stopped, very unlikely anybody sees them. Mm-hmm. They you know you, everybody everybody knows how that works. You well, just, if a deer's way, not moving it in the thick stuff, people don't see it. Well, and in that spot in particular where you access that day for example Mm -hmm. where they would cross the road Mm -hmm. there's a hill so it drops off to the road right so if you're on the road and you're trying to look out of a driver's side you can't even see up there because all you Mm -hmm. see is is ditch bank or you see the top of your own vehicle right (laughs) you know you see the roof right you can't see up there right and that's kind of the case all the way down through that road sure you can't really see into that property right there so they can bed Big bucks will bed twenty yards off the road oh, right yeah. there. That right there, it would be. We there's a couple spots where we know that they could sit, and they're twenty to fifty yards off the road and basically see. The, they bust they, your ass every and it, time. Yeah, there's not really anything you can do about it mm-hmm. other than getting close. If you if if you could get close to that area without going all the way, you'd be in the zone. What, what you taught me about accessing from that point too is just taking your time. So one thing that I, when I think of like main points that I've taken away from you as a bow hunter over the years has been like 
sneaking and taking your time and tuning in with your environment. And you might not even know that you've taught me that in that in the way that you have, but like when I was a kid, I remember you being like, I'll just get to the hunting spot and sometimes I'm all stressed out from work or, you know, I've been trying to drive there and I've been, you know, trying right. to get there and getting all my gear ready and blah, blah, blah. But before I go, I'll just lay in the grass and look at the sky. Right. Just like I calm know. down and tune in. Right. And before I shot that buck, I did that. That's crazy. You know, yeah. I, I laid in the grass and just sat there and calmed down. And I think I got that out of a tip from some hunting guy 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what you should do. And, you know, it's I don't think it's any different than somebody going to play football or going to play basketball or going to go golf and they do their thing to, you know, some music or Mm -hmm. we talked about music tonight, Mm -hmm. but, uh, for me, it was like, okay, just kind of get in the zone of hunting, like calm down. Nothing else matters. Like slow down, clear your mind, slow down. Don't get in a big hurry. You're still hunting. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, that's one thing that has happened with, uh, not hunting in a tree stand anymore is that, I'm not hunting a tree stand, and I'm not in a hurry to get to the tree stand. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm late. i got to get in the tree stand. Well, what makes the difference? Like, well, you know. Nothing, nothing really. <laughs> I'm still hunting. <laughs> yeah. Right. You yeah. Know? If, you, if you are, you know, as far as you need to legally be off the road. Right. Then you're hunting. <laughs> then you're going. Right. And I, I think that that day, what you probably did really well, because you had the time. We were already over yep. there squirrel hunting, is you just took your time. I did. It. I know I did. Mm-hmm. I, it was like, oh, well, it's whatever. I just say it was 1 o'clock or whatever. I, I got the whole evening. Yeah, you still had six hours I, at that time of the year, yeah, you know. right. And I know I did. Yeah. I, I know. I know you did, too, because I remember you being excited about it. Yeah. I remember you being fired up just, about the idea of hey i'm gonna take my time i got all kinds of time i don't generally get this yeah and grandpa was there to take you to and take i, care I of normally me. would have drove you back then came back and it would have taken another hour and a half yeah. or whatever you know yeah, yeah. yeah it was it was a good day mm-hmm. yeah. so um i guess also going back to the fighting thing i think that it's interesting it says something about that particular day with the weather too the fact that you heard him over at brian's too sure is pretty incredible yeah that morning i went to hunt with Ben and uh, Keith and uh, who's the other Alex. One? Alex. <laughs> Alex's dad, Brian, who I grew up with, and he had bought a farm, and and uh, he was really excited about the farm. And, and I went over there and hunted that morning, and uh, didn't even get to my stand because in the dark there were three or four little bucks fighting right underneath the stand that was Brian's stand that I was going to go get in, and you know, and I remember watching them work off and then getting in the stand, and another buck came in and. Telling you know Brian, I come back and Brian. It's the typical Brian story, but I get back to the to where we meet or we. I don't know how we had a time back then. Probably I don't remember. And I get back and he's like, "What'd you see?" Or what'd you say? "What'd you say, Brian?" Nothing. I said, "He goes, what'd you say?" I said, four bucks. Like they were fighting under the tree stand when I got there, and he was just like, "No way!" Like didn't even really believe you. Didn't even believe me. Yeah, he thinks I'm making it up. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think corn. While it's up, it's good, mm-hmm. like for deer hunting. I really do. I like corn as a bow hunter. Mm-hmm. People are like, ah, I don't like it till the corn's off. Well, I like it when the corn's on mm-hmm. because it, it's. I think it's similar than the CRP in that deer feel really comfortable. Mm-hmm. I've had a really good couple of experiences. I shot a nice bucket or, you know, before I left Ohio in a similar situation. But if you were to look at that from a map, an aerial map, when that CRP was on and you looked at it, was just – an x it was like the huge wood plots over here and another and then fields on top 
and then CRP over the saddle, mm-hmm. a giant saddle. Mm-hmm. I mean, gun season there was un- insane mm-hmm. because oh, yeah, all I the da- experienced that even. Yeah, I mean, you just sit there as a hunter and wait, and eventually, you there would be five, and then there'd be three, and there'd be six, and then, I mean, I'm sure I've seen 30, 40 deer come through that crp during gun oh, season yeah 50 yeah one day i did the other farm i saw 67 deer by noon and that was late season hunt right it was a gun season hunt saturday i think it was a saturday of a gun season which ohio it's a week long at the time and i said and i saw 67 does that was crazy i mean it was every time i turned around and not one buck that day mm-hmm. now that wasn't now the guy there was a guy who had was friends with your grandpa who was at the other end saw six bucks so as deer removed and stuff they they got over there there (laughs) just didn't go my direction so i think with the gun season thing too because of that situation where and and a lot of that is influenced by you and grandpa while it's all influenced by you and grandpa for me is you guys didn't drive you hunted with a gun like you did with a bow. Sure, yeah. And I think that because of that, we got to experience really crazy deer movement. But what is interesting, and granted, the population in general has went down, but also when you take away the CRP, especially by gun season, mm. late season, the crops are all off. It doesn't hold as many deer no, as it, it does too. Mm. But, um, which is just so sad. It's still a good hunting place. It's but, still good hunting, but, but it's not. But the deer... They, I mean, if you just, it just, they just had so many more places to, to, to nooks and crannies to hide, to lay down, to. And I probably don't even remember it like what these days were like when it was the very best, you know. Yeah. It's just you know, really it, you know, it's really place. looking back now, the, the other side of the road with no wood, mm-hmm. we didn't even hunt that. No. Because there was no tree. Right. Get a tree stand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and now you think back and you're like, oh, what was going on over there? Because right. it's woolly over there too it, we should have been over there yeah i mean we should have at least put some effort into absolutely. it absolutely absolutely we will <laughs> <laughs> we would we it would have been a perfect place to, to to set up let's say where the old orchard was remember that just, just stop there oh, get up how there. many big bucks did we see driving there in the morning just they'd always get up be there. standing on that fence because that's another funnel and just sit there with your binoculars and either be ready to shoot one right there or make a move. Mm-hmm. Now that we've started, you know, now that you hunt that way and I've started to hunt that way, uh, it would be a great spot. Mm-hmm. Well, even the spot uh, <laughs> where you actually shot the doe, mm-hmm. the long shot when you were yep, a kid. Yep. Right there, set up oh, right there. Oh, yeah, that's the. I mean, that's a bedding area, yeah, right? Right, yeah, right, right, right. And that's right off the road, too, but it's just right where deer can position themselves or they can see a lot they can see everything and the road would be just a little bit behind it but nobody from the road could see them mm-hmm. and if the wind was behind coming from the road towards them they'd bust anybody walking yep. down mm-hmm. the road yeah right well yeah. nobody would ever do that because we didn't <laughs> and we we're the only people that were ever on it right right, right. i mean they, they were safe there they were definitely safe there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but um we were talking about the gun hunting thing and i think uh it's, it's, this is kind of funny. I was talking with Jake, and we were on the phone with uh, his buddy, Zimmy. Mm-hmm. And he was, like, um, talking about gun hunting and stuff. And he's like, oh, and Zach, you know what I'm talking about. You've done plenty of it when you were younger, too. And I was like, 
to be honest, the the mobile gun hunting and the drive thing is like all newer to me. I mean, yeah. I did some of it, but like the majority of the gun hunting, like we did some with Rich when I was a kid, but we didn't do a lot of it. We didn't do it like we didn't. We did it much more bow hunting with a gun. Right. You know what I mean? Right. That style. That's kind of the style we did. Yeah. But because of that, what I did learn at an early age is hunting escape routes on high traffic hunter days is a great strategy oh yeah oh because it's a that's great what we did yeah i had a, i had another spot it was a friend's property mm-hmm. it's the uh, place where every every saturday of gun season is when people pretty much give up like they're like oh i've been hunting all week or they got that extra days off i only got two days left saturday and sunday and mm-hmm. the season's over and there was a place I mean, I don't want to say names or roads because, but where like three valleys came together, there was like a little road and a little flat spot before they dropped down to the river. And it was crazy. If you just sit there on a Saturday, I mean, deer pile. Through. We'd hear three shots in the distance. 20 minutes later, here comes seven deer. And all of a sudden, you know, you hear some shots up here and they were far away but you you knew i ah, better be ready mm-hmm. and five minutes later here comes seven and you know three then four then eventually a buck came mm-hmm. and they always stopped at that flat spot when yeah. they got there so it's just one of those places that you find you over know, time over time you're like it's a perfect spot but a lot of times too like when you're, when you're hearing these things so you may be hearing it and being like well i've never found the hot spot like we talk about fresh sign all the time, like that spot where the buck stopped. There's always rubs and scrapes right there, weren't there? Oh, uh, which oh, well, that buck stopped where that they, where the they spot you were just talking. Yeah, about. Oh, yeah, that's always rubbed up, scraped up. Yeah. it's like a field corner that leads out onto a little ridge, right? Right, right. And it would have been a hard spot to bow hunt. Not a hard. I shouldn't say that. I just never did. But it was a perfect place for a gun, mm-hmm. uh, because of the amount of people that if you look at a map from above there was a place across the road that nobody could hunt period it was a business big and i mean think about it every deer eventually is like we're headed that way because they know nobody's ever mm-hmm. nobody's, nobody's ever there. never smelled humans <laughs> in there right mm-hmm. right i you know there's like i mean there's places that you find that uh, you just know mm-hmm. and uh, that was one of them too but but I do think, like, given that tip and extending that, it's like there's always a crazy amount of deer sign in there. Mm-hmm. Comparing that to, like, your average amount oh, of deer yeah. sign. Like, sure. per acre, you're looking at, okay, a few tracks here and there, maybe a rub. Or maybe it's a ton of tracks and a ton of rubs. But then that one spot, when you find it, there's a ton, ton of rub. You it's know, there's a, always more. There's always there's more. There's always more sign. And we, we talked about this one other time about the different, you know, coming west and hunting elk. This is the same thing with elk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when you get, like, oh, there's elk sign. But when you find <laughs> the elk sign, like, it's Trample. all relative. Like, if it's a low density elk area and you're finding a few tracks here and then, and then you find the spot, you're like, whoa. Like this year, we found that spot with all the beds. Mm-hmm. Like, whoa! I mean, this is crazy. How many mm-hmm. beds there are? There's just an uptick in the sign. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's mm-hmm. it. There's always that baseline, and so when we're hunting different areas and we refer to covering ground, we're covering ground, trying to find as many places to compare to each other as possible. And sometimes you find it on the first day. So, like an example, and this is a rare occasion, 
was when I hunted in Pennsylvania in 2020. It was kind of a deal where we had we had driven to some different areas and maybe went on a couple of super short walks. Mm-hmm. But we started walking into this place, and no joke, I come up under a branch, and Greg oh. is recording, and I look up, and there's a scrape on the trail that we're walking mm-hmm. in on. That's like a you know oh. obvious access point trail going into the woods. And then we proceeded to find just more and more and more and more and more till it got around, you know, a transition line where there was a clear cut. Mm-hmm. And then there was a field on the backside of it on private. Mm-hmm. And then when we found that spot, it was like, how do you even leave this? Like, there's two, And I never did. <laughs> right. It was the only time on a hunting trip that I've went into a spot, found a hot spot just like that, that like was where I had pinned before I even mm-hmm. got there one of my favorite places that I was looking at and then got there and it's like, well, I can't leave it <laughs> because it was so blown right, up. I'm right. talking big buck tracks, scrapes, rubs, and then trails everywhere. And we were seeing other deer, it's not a ton, but it's like, you know, you're, they're right under our nose. And well, I don't think, I don't think we shot the biggest buck that was lived. I know we didn't. Right. There's no way. <laughs> you know, we talked about, um, something that just popped into my head. It was like, I used to read those books from these two guys, twin brothers, Gene and Barry Winslow, that's one of the guys, you know, one of the books, one of the resources at the time that I was reading, I really loved it. And they were really sarcastic. And But one of the things they did was to come, when they would go somewhere and never been there, they would just literally jog, run, walk as fast as they could all over the, like all the way through a property without any, like maybe they'd take their bow. But it was just to find a place to put, go back then and get their tree stand and go back. Mm-hmm. Because they said what you do, and I believe this, if, if you have a tree stand, you you stop at the, you're, you're exhausted. You're like, oh, I don't want to carry it. I'm just going to put my, here's the, per, here's the first good spot you put your tree stand in. Where they had the philosophy of, I'd rather spend a day walking around, spooking some deer if I accidentally do, seeing the best sign, doing, finding the spot you just talked about. Then go back, put their stands up and they were stand hunters you know which i don't think they always were but i think mostly was because what we did back in the i guess the 80s that's when everybody everybody stand hunted Mm -hmm. you didn't hunt off the ground very often or it seemed hard when you tried it Mm -hmm. but i think i think it's uh crazy how it's all kind of you know when you look at the average hunting opportunities and why we do the hunting public in the way that we do hunting you know, occasional private land, a lot of times family property, always, or, or ask permission, right. or public land, is because those tactics weren't being talked about. No. Back in Barry and Jean's day, they were like, that was like as it was fading out, right? right. Is Or, you know, when, when they were what, probably 90s, 2000s, that started to then start to shift to where it's becoming more technical, where right. people are starting to use trail cameras. They're starting to, uh, the trail camera thing changed a lot of things. And I don't know, I guess I don't know, remember back, because we've never done it, but uh, baiting, was baiting legal uh, in Ohio? I, I've never, I don't think so. I've never, I've never, you know. It is legal now. Is it? Baiting you know is, what? Yeah, it is legal now, isn't it? Yeah. We never... We've never baited. I've never baited or I've never been on a farm that people baited that I knew of. I, I might have been on one that not not that not that I hunted. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. I think the the biggest difference through like evolution of me for hunting is was this. I wanted to learn how to bow hunt. 
you did what everybody told you. Oh, you put a tree stand up. You do that. You have some success. Then you start hunting bigger bucks, which, you know, I went through a phase of like, I didn't shoot it. You know, I shoot the biggest bucks, which now I'm not so much. That's, that's, I want to shoot the biggest buck, but I'm not going to spend, I'd rather hunt more and go to different areas and not worry so much about how big it is. Mm-hmm. And then, and then like, okay, we got to put a food plot in. And then you, if you have a food plot, let's say you have two 80 acre farms you can hunt and you got a couple of food plots, you're not going to hunt anywhere else but over that food plot. <laughs> I mean, it's just human uh, nature, right? Yeah. That's what we did. That's what we did. And then I get, a, then I'll be honest, when you guys started hunting public and you started just going to public land, that's, it got f- super fun again. Mm-hmm. Like it just, not to, hunting out of a tree stand. I, I do it. I'd still do it today. If I could hunt right outside of town here and I could go out for an hour in the evening and hunt a tree stand, I would because it's relaxing. It's mm-hmm. a different kind of hunt. Yeah. But if I'm, I, I find it m- more enjoyable to just hunt off the ground and just go all day and, and not even think about anything else. Mm-hmm. Like, let's that maybe stop to eat and get something to drink when you're out there. Mm-hmm. But just that's, it's much more enjoyable. Yeah. It's funny to me to see your own evolution. My own evolution. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 uh, I got made fun of because I remember driving around with antlers in the car that I got from the deer. And people would make fun of me because I was a you're a horn hunter, you know the terminology mm-hmm. negative, and and I kind of laugh at myself. Yeah, I kind of I mean now I make would make fun of myself too. Nothing yeah. wrong with it. Yeah, right. I, right. We all hunt the horns. Yeah, but I think I think it's just it was so much that culture. And by the time I was getting to where I was making my own decisions based off of influence, you know, mm-hmm. I had my own opinions on things. I. I guess I, um, hmm, I'm going to, let me frame this differently. (laughs) Cut. (laughs) So I look back on my influences, grandpa, you, Rich, Steve, Mm -hmm. Craig, the guys at camp, Mm -hmm. um, John, um, and, and then surely other friends and stuff. But when I look back on it at that time, so when I was a kid, early 2000s, late, late 90s, early 2000s, when I really was starting to get the, the big-time hook in the hunting, that's what everybody talked about. That's when that shift was happening. Right. Everybody talked about shooting the big buck, and that's because, again, of things. And people still do it. I just am better at ignoring it, I think, sure, a little bit. Sure, me too. Mm-hmm. But it's like... And not to say that I, I don't care if that's what you like. That's that is that's, totally fine. Uh, that's what I'm trying to say. It's right. not to take. It's just for me. Right. It's more fun to just go hunting. But know? but I went through a phase as well where I think I really hurt myself as a hunter. I didn't explore new areas. Right. I was doing what you're saying. I was going to the same areas. I was hunting those you know areas that were always good for us. Mm-hmm. Doing the same things and as the property was diminishing or, yeah, or the, the quality of the hunts there were going down in the whole county. Yeah. Right. Totally. Because of different yeah. things that the, they were trying to get the digger herd down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, too, it was too high at the peak of it. And they did get it cut down in half. a lot. <laughs> yeah. But when I look back at those days, the thing then too, that hurt me was media, what I was watching. Right. But, um, you know, I kind of, I think we kind of needed that, though, to, like, relight the fire, I suppose. Like, we, 
I guess, and also because of the way you guys hunted. So when I think of when I'm learning bow hunting, I'm paying attention to what you guys are all doing. And you guys are doing these little things without trail cameras. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm not trying. I'm not making this to bash the trail camera thing. I'm just saying, like when we talk about, you just know, right? Well, we don't know because we have a damn trail camera. There. Right. We know because you were reading books and you started doing these things based off sign. I'm watching you do that as a little kid mm-hmm. all the way to to now. I'm doing, and you know, Rich is doing that. Craig's doing that. We're we're all doing these things. You start to learn these things really fast sure. because you're not basing anything off of a picture or, I mean, the only thing visually we were basing anything ever off of was uh, actual sightings. Jump, jump one, see one, yeah. see one across the road. So, you know. So think about uh, this one, the buck that I don't even know if you think about him. You probably don't think about him as much as I do. But we're talking about that spot where you shot the big one. Mm-hmm. Or you shot the one, and then the big one fought. The really big one fought your, your mm-hmm. dead buck. So this is a season where you had shot one early as well. I don't remember what year this would have been. I would have probably been like 14-ish. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't drive. Mm-hmm. And luckily, you would still drive to the farm every weekend and drive me around. So mm-hmm. that was pretty mm-hmm. spectacular. For I remember some of my favorite hunting memories ever are you and I driving after a Friday night after school and work and it's dark and we're driving or pumped to go hunting and we go hunt Saturday morning, Saturday evening, Sunday morning, and then turn around and go all the way home. Did that every weekend for years to the point where one time I think we really upset mom because we probably hadn't been home for a weekend <laughs> in October, November for who knows how long, maybe years. And, uh, but uh, you know, those are incredible memories of mine. Like uh, we could talk, we could do a whole podcast based off those, those memories, but we were, hunting on our annual camp week Mm -hmm. and i might have even snuck out for like a day of school early like rare you know but you were driving me around and you know no cell phones and i remember being able to see you from that corner stand Mm -hmm. and or no 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 this i was later i was sitting on the south side so i couldn't see that corner and i got back to the truck and you were like there was a big one. Did you see him? And I was like, <laughs> no. And you're like, there was a big buck cruising that edge, and he was making scrapes, and he went. I, I think you said that he went down and went all the way back around. And you're like, he's just a really nice buck. Uh-huh. And uh, I ended up then that whole rest of that season, and, you know, again, not knowing trail cameras, but this is fun to me, and these are these are great memories. Mm-hmm. In my mind, I was always hunting the same buck. Yeah, I, I might have been. I might have right. like legitimately been seeing the same eight pointer or whatever it was. But I ended up hunting over there. I think the next morning when I moved, I set up in a climber. Yeah, and that was a popular thing for us back in those yeah, days. Yeah, we tried the climbers for a while. Yeah, yeah. well, for yeah, quite a bit of time when yeah. I was that age, and um, I, I felt real comfortable with that one, and I was right on the edge right where those deer would cross the road. And I remember it was just, you know, we talk about the conditions. It was a beautiful morning. Everything was glowing. The frost was just starting to burn off and looking back on it now, it probably happened at the time frame where um, we just would always say, we would say now like the wind shifts. So mm-hmm. that nine, nine thirty mm-hmm. time frame. And again, you had just seen the buck doing this. And I remember looking up into the CRP field and, 
the first time I had ever really seen a big buck coming across a place like that, and I could see his antlers glowing in the CRP. Right. And he's just cruising right across there. And I mean, my memory of it, it said he's just an absolute tank, but it's hard to say really (laughs) what it even was. And we, or I I was trying to get ready to draw, and. I remember I went to stand up when he went behind a tree or something, and I just got totally stuffed by my uh, safety strap. Oh, it was because it was somehow snuffed. wrapped around the tree or something, mm-hmm. or or I just had it, was, it too it tight. Short. It was yeah. too short. Right. And I go to stand up, and it's like <laughs> I can't even stand up. <laughs> and I go to stand up, and it's like oh, I can't. I like plop back down in the seat, and he immediately kind of like catches me doing that, mm-hmm. and he's looking I'm like. Oh. You know, and I remember kind of trying to, like, get up to where I could get the bow up and over the... Yeah, the bar. And I remember doing that, and, you know, he just busted the heck out of me, like, nailed me. Like, i sure I forced it to right. try to get up and do it, but then from that day on, well, really from the day you saw him on, I kept hunting that corner and that edge and right. hunting that timber, and I saw him several times. Had one night he came in right under me. Before dark, I was yeah, with Grandpa yeah. Farinball that yeah. night, and uh, it's just, it's just funny because, again, I look back on those memories and the way that we were putting the pieces of the puzzle together back then. Sure, it's very similar to what we do now. Right. I guess that's what I'm. I'm coming full circle with this, talking about the big bucks, talking about the sign, talking about the the areas. It's one of the reasons I'm personally not a trail camera fan is because when I hunt with a trail camera, it makes it not like what it was when I was a kid. Sure. And I enjoy that. I enjoy right. the idea of hunting the, that same buck. Well, the other thing is that But not knowing. But not even knowing. You're just, not really just knowing. Being a, but yeah, your mind's like always telling you it's the big buck. It's the big buck it's around the, the corner. It's the big buck. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then I don't hunt too many inches. I just hunt the big buck. And right. the big buck that day could be a little eight pointer right but in that moment if it fires me up and that's how i that's how i feel that way is i don't know sure we never did know you know we didn't that's a beautiful thing we i don't know that we ever put trail cameras up at the farm now we did we did when grandpa had a few but they were junk and they didn't work very well ben and those guys had a few they had a few over there yeah okay but like you know that's that's the first buck i ever shot yeah no, I don't remember seeing that buck, but that day, that was the big buck. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And, you know, back to, I guess, the the big one from the story, the 10-pointer. My memory of it is, is the rumor was that Grandpa saw it one time during gun season, like, make that escape route, right. but couldn't get a shot at it or well, something. And, and here's the thing about that is that deer never saw him again, but in my mind, he was always there probably for another two or three years mm-hmm. or four years you know he's like he probably could have got shot or been killed or got hit by a car but isn't that or he could have been from like a ru- you know why he was there that day but for me he was there he always, was always there, there. <laughs> like, but i think that mentality is really good regardless right. if, if he is or isn't right, right? You, you gotta know? you gotta hunt like he's there hunt like the big bucks there if you if you're committed to the area like if you've done your research your scouting right. or whatever and you say okay this is it hunt it like like I don't like the biggest buck you've ever seen is about to walk out because it sure makes it easier when it is one that's somewhere in between, you know. Right. Or 
like it even goes back to like when we like or just me you're hunting a couple weeks ago with jake and i mean i know it was kind of weird but if you were bow hunting and that deer was there at that point where it jumped up and he ended mm-hmm. up i mean if you have to assume he's there mm-hmm. like even though you think there's no way he didn't see us yep but if you would have been bow hunting, walking through that and up, oh, that, you'd have the glass and really focus. You on wouldn't. It. We slug. should have. We should have but, been doing that even with the gun. Right. If you'd have gun hunted like a, you would have probably had a lot easier time getting. You know, we would have just a, shot him in his bed. Right. Because we could have glassed him at one point. I'm right. certain we could have picked him out. But. Right. But it goes back to that. Just think, hunting like he's there. Even hunt. Right. We talk about it. Like, you go up and start to cross that spot where you they know you hunt you like they're there country yeah you, you hunt like they're right over the hill mm-hmm. right. even if you even if you're just hoping just hoping <laughs> yeah cool all right well i think we can wrap up because you know don't want to get them too long-winded and we have <laughs> other things to talk about other days but hope yeah. you guys like this one this one was really fun for me it was I, really I really fun appreciate for me. it yeah. yeah no problem i enjoy it yeah Thanks for listening, everybody. Hopefully you guys like the story. If you have a crazy rut story yourself, leave a comment about it. I'd love to love to read your story. So thank you. Thanks. <laughs>